Welcome to the Celebration Church Podcast. We are so glad you've joined us and we hope you are encouraged by today's message. What's good, Celebration Church? How are you guys doing? Oh, you look so good. I'm so, so glad to be back with my Jacksonville family. I still, you know, I'm hoping that the weather works out because I, I came from D.C. where it was, it was cold, it was rainy. I was hoping that when I got here that I would have like excuses not to go back, but it's like the weather's the same. So hopefully today it'll, it'll pan out the way that it needs to and it'll be good. But I'm, I'm so glad to, to be with you guys. Um, I, I really am excited about the word, but I just, I just want to take a quick second just to, I want to show some love to our, our, our lead pastors. Can we show some love to, to Pastor Stovall and Pastor Kerry? Let's dig down deep, guys. We have incredible leadership here at Celebration. While we're showing some love, would you mind helping us to welcome on our Orange Park, Julington Creek, and those who are going to be checking us out on the podcast afterwards. Thank you guys so much for, for jumping in and, and, and being with you, being with us today. Um, I'm truly believing that this is going to be um, an incredible day in, in the presence of, of God. I, I want to go ahead and make this announcement and, and, and get it real um, clear from the beginning. Listen, guys, we made it. We made it. It's, it's, it's 2018, where the clock is ticking, as, as Pastor John had already established, but, but 2019 is right around the corner, and, and we've made it. Here, here's, here's why this is such a big deal. Here's why this is such a big deal. Because I'm aware of the way that the enemy operates. And what I'm aware of is that there's not a person in this room, whether you're here, Julington Creek, Orange Park, watching us on the podcast, that there's not a person in here that probably at not some point during this year has felt a little bit of pressure from the enemy. There's not one of us in here that could say that we've escaped this entire year and haven't had any opposition, but we're here. Here's, here's why we celebrate that. Because what I know about the enemy is that the enemy comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy. He doesn't do down payments on destruction, which means you are still here, which means that the enemy was not successful with the mission that he set out for you for your family, for your children, you are still here. So there may be a place in your life where you're saying that there's some deficit, there's some areas and things that you wish would have went a little bit better, but the reality of it is you are still here, the best is still ahead, and we can give God praise before the calendar changes because God has been with us throughout all of 2018, and we're gonna go into 2019 in total victory. We've made it, we're, we're still here. But if you're, if you're anything like me, this is the time of year where you do begin to, you do begin to assess what does here really mean. There's, there's areas of our lives that we probably take inventory of at this time of year, and we begin to kind of evaluate what are some wins, what are some losses, what are some adjustments that we can make? Because understandably, as we go into the new year, we want to take the momentum of the things that seem to be going really well, but then we also want to learn from the mistakes of things that didn't go so well, maybe some plans that, that didn't pan out. And, and what I know about myself, and I'm, I'm sure there's people in here that, that I can identify with, is it's the things that didn't go well, there could be a sense of urgency that could compel you to move from the environment that God has actually initially called you to be in. But because things didn't work out the way that you initially thought they would, there's an urgency to move on. And, and, and I believe that while there are times where we have to begin to move into the direction of where God's going, what I don't want us to do is to step out of the line with the blessing that God has for us because maybe the reinforcements are coming. If you have your Bibles with you, I want to invite you to, to join me in the book of Leviticus. Just chapter one. We're going to read all of Leviticus today, church. Just... Just kidding. We're going to go to, we're going to, go to chapter 13. 
We have a couple of passages there, and then we're going to jump over to the Gospel of Luke, chapter 17. So if you have one of those markers or if you have your digital Bibles, you can, you can mark that. If not, it'll be on the screens in just, a, in just a moment. But Leviticus chapter 13, verse 45 says this. It says, those who suffer from a serious skin disease must tear their clothing and leave their hair uncombed. They must cover their mouth and call out, unclean, unclean. As long as the serious skin disease lasts, there will be ceremonially unclean. They must live in isolation in their place outside of the camp. Jumping over to Luke chapter 17, we have an opportunity to kind of see what Leviticus was talking about as it relates to people being outside of their community as a result of them having this affliction. And here's what it says at verse 11. While traveling to Jerusalem, he, the he there is Jesus, passed between Samaria and Galilee. As he entered the village, 10 men with serious skin diseases met him. They stood at a distance and they raised their voices saying, Jesus, master, have mercy on us. When he saw them, he told them, go and show yourselves to the priests. And while they were going, they were healed. But one of them, seeing that he was healed, returned and with a loud voice gave glory to God. He fell down, fell face down at his feet, thanking him. And he was a Samaritan. Then Jesus said, were not 10 cleansed? Where are the nine? Other translations have Jesus saying, where's the rest? Verse 18 says it this way. It says, didn't any return to give glory to God except this foreigner? And he told him, get up and go your way. Your faith has made you whole. Jesus says, get up, go your way. Your faith has made you whole. Today, I wanna to talk to us for just a couple of moments around this idea of, of going through seasons where we may feel isolated, maybe secluded, and wondering if God even sees us where we are. I believe there's encouragement for us in here today, church, as we go into this new year. I've entitled this message, In the Middle of Nowhere. Let's pray. God, we thank you so much for your word. We thank you for your people, God, and we thank you for this incredible church. Father, we pray over the next few moments, God, that you give us open eyes that we can see you. Even areas where maybe we've lost sight of you, God. Maybe we've lost perspective. Maybe there's distractions. God, we pray for open ears that we can hear your truth even amongst all the, the loud chatter that seems to, to fight for our attention. And God, we also pray for open hearts that we can receive your truth and walk out of here transformed. We pray and declare and believe all this in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. You know, I, I, I love the, the holiday season. Um, I, I truly do. And over the past year, I've had to get creative with the holiday season because with me being up in the D.C. area, I have family that's still here. I have family that's in Atlanta, my immediate family. So spending time together, you have to get creative and, and try to find ways to, to make it work. It, it makes me wish that I had the simpler days when all of our family was, was together and, and it was much easier to kind of make holiday plans. I remember one time specifically uh, many years ago when we were all here in, in Jacksonville, we would, we would do our, our annual trek up north to go spend time with family up there. It would be me, my, my wife, and my, and my three children. It was just a part of our rhythm that we did. And so when you, take, when you have that many people, first and foremost, you drive because who can pay for five plane tickets with the prices that they're hitting us with right now? Um, I'm on a pastor salary, hello. Um, <clears throat> 
but you know, we would, so we would take these road trips. And so for me, I'm the type of person that I'm super methodical and, and very detail oriented when it comes to like things like that. There's other areas where I'm not so much, but when it comes to me like road trips, I'm like scientific. I know exactly what rest stop we're gonna stop at. I know when we're gonna get gas. When we do stop, everybody get out, get something to eat, use a bathroom now, because if you miss your window, you've missed your window. Like I'm, I'm the guy that's super methodical in, in, in every essence of the word. And so I remember this one time, we kind of got into a rhythm where we would take these road trips in the middle of the night because of course you avoid traffic. So we had made up in our mind, we're gonna leave at two in the morning and we're gonna drive straight through and it's gonna be awesome. I had the playlist already set up. It was gonna be awesome. Now I have a, I have a confession, church. The playlist was not Christian music. <laughs> I know that there's people that probably wanna get up and walk out of here right now. Listen to me, I, I love, this is how I fight my battles just as much as the next person. I love getting into the presence of the Lord just like the next person. But what I've learned with these road trips is that you can get so caught up in the presence of the Lord that you end up in the presence of a tree. <laughs> so I need to listen to some music that conflicts with my soul, that makes me wonder why am I listening to this, but I'm awake. So that's the kind of stuff that I listen to when I'm on these road trips, like good Lord, like, but I'm up though. That's me. Don't judge me. Pray for me. I'll be at the altar at the end. But so I had, I already had everything already lined up. It was all good to go. We're on the road and, and things are going good. Well, there's this point when you're, when you're driving from here up to, to the Northeast, like you're just on 95 as a straight stretch. But when we get into South Carolina, it's like this space that I call like the dead zone. Reception is terrible. You have no clarity. There's no lights anywhere. And you just go through like, okay, God, I just, I just got to get through it. I don't have any, I don't have any clarity whatsoever. So as I'm driving on this stretch and I know that I got like two hours of just riding in complete darkness and can't see anything whatsoever, my tire blows out. It's about, it's probably about three o'clock in the morning at this point. My tire blows out. I regain control, pull over to the shoulder. And, and so now I'm like, I, I'm in a dilemma because I know that it's too dark. I don't have the proper visibility. I don't want to be out here trying to change my tire. And so I just kind of conclude and say, okay, family, we're going to get out of the car. We're going to stand off on the side of the shoulder and we're just going to wait until daylight and then I'll change the tire when that's in. Because I didn't have any reception on my phone, couldn't call AAA, we're just stuck. So I get the family all out, I get them acclimated, we're all off on the side of the road. But while we're standing there, probably for about two or three minutes, I see this car kind of like speeding up. It slows down as much as it can, but I guess they couldn't pull over, so then they just speed off. So it, it looks kind of weird because as I'm standing on the side of the road, I just see a car driving fast, slows down, looks over, then speeds up and drives off. Okay. It's weird, but I'm not gonna freak out. I gotta be the man of the house in front of my family, so I'm not gonna stress it. But about five minutes later, I could see the same car just because of the shape of it, that it basically had circled around and now it pulled up behind my car and it's probably about 15 yards back. So it's a good enough distance where I can see the silhouette of the car, but I can't see anybody inside of it. I'm out here on the, the dead zone. I have no, I have no visibility and, and, and the car just pulls up. All I see is headlights. They could see me, I can't see them. You can only imagine how uncomfortable this is getting right now. Then these spotlights come on. So these spotlights come on and I can clearly see, okay, this isn't first responders. There's no one that is there that's gonna try to provide any help. So maybe, just maybe, maybe it's a good Samaritan. They saw me straight on the road and, and they wanted to come and provide some assistance. I see the door open up real slow, just real slow. The door begins to creak a little bit. And I see this guy get out and he's holding a crowbar. Right. Imagine my reaction. He's holding a crowbar and he legitimately gets out of his car and he starts walking to me like this. 
he steps in front of the headlights and all I see is the silhouette of this guy with a crowbar in his hand walking to me like this. So I'm beginning to think through every single horror movie I have ever seen in my entire life. And they all start this way. You're stranded, you got no cell phone reception, and it doesn't work out. And I'm not sure if you keep an inventory, but people that look like me don't typically make it out of horror films. <laughs> Except for Get Out. We got our payback. Turn the tables on them. So here I am, I see this guy walking up, holding a crowbar, and so the only thing I can think to do is just yell out, hey man, we're good. We're good, he's still walking to me. So I'm thinking to myself, well, he, he probably didn't hear me, so, so let me raise my voice but lower my octave a little bit. I said, hey man, we're good. Maybe my lower voice would have like kind of let him know that there was a little bit of power behind it. He's still, he's still walking up to me. So now in my mind, he's probably about, he's probably about seven yards away. It's dark so we can't, he can't really see me. I, I can see the silhouette of him. So I've made up in my mind, I'm like, okay, I'm, I'm gonna fight a grown man on the side of 95 in front of my family. And I've, I've made up in my mind, I wish these were jokes, I wish I wasn't, I wish I wasn't serious. I, 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 I said, I'm gonna push this man in front of a truck. And I will take my family to counseling after the fact, we're gonna be okay. But we are going to live today. I have, made, I have made up in my mind, I'm not going out like that. That was just, it's fight or flight and I just was too tired to run. So like, we're on the side of the road and I'm like, so I said one last stage, I just said to him, I said, yo, stop. So then he just stood still because I guess at that point he realized like it was, it was, it was desperate measures. And so he, he just, he begins to whisper and I'm, I'm like leaning in because at this point we're about five yards away and I'm already like in my fighting stance, either fighting or running, whichever one is gonna come up first. I'm just kind of like double dutch, just kind of seeing what's gonna happen. But I, I see him and he's like, excuse me, sir, I think I'm supposed to help you. Right, I said, what? <laughs> I, th I think I'm supposed to help you. I said, say more. I just felt led to come over and, and, and pull up and, and I saw that you were stranded here with your family. Is there anything I can do? And what do you, you, you have a flat tire? I can fix that, I'll get you out of here, lickety split. I said, well, I don't know what lickety split is, but it sounds like it's fast. Come on over here, sir, and help me out. You want me to hold the light for you? This guy came up, he changed my tire all within five minutes. It, it, it completely blew my mind because in my mind, I'm thinking to myself, I'm in total isolation. I have no reception. Basically, I felt like I was in the middle of nowhere. But out of nowhere, this guy shows up and he provides exactly what I needed in my time of trouble. I could preach this thing if y'all let me. What I, what I believe is there's areas of our lives where we may feel like we're isolated and that we are in the middle of nowhere. And you could possibly feel just like I did without any reception, without any perspective and wondering what your next steps are going to be. But I want you to write this down. I want you to put this into your soul. I want you to take this into the new year. You may feel like you're in the middle of nowhere, but God knows where you are. 
Let me say that one more time. You may feel like you are in the middle of nowhere, but God knows exactly where you are. You see, there's times in our lives where we feel like we have to maneuver and move and get God's attention when sometimes God is just saying, are you willing to stand still and see the salvation of God? The reinforcements are coming, but don't leave from the place that I planted you. See, we, we see throughout the course of scripture where God always seems to show up when people least expect it. God shows up when we're in the middle of our mess and we didn't necessarily have to move our mess to get into the presence of God. But God steps right into the middle of it all. You see, we see with the children of Israel, they've been in bondage for 400 years. That means that generations have been born and died in slavery. So as you can imagine, they're at a point where they could possibly define themselves as being in the middle of nowhere. But what the Bible tells us in Exodus chapter three, verses seven and eight, it says that when God appeared before Moses in the burning bush, he says to him, I have seen the affliction of my people. I have heard their cries for help and I know the condition they find themselves in, and I am personally about to get involved and change this whole thing around. What I believe is that's a word for us as we go into this new year. I believe that God sent me here to tell you that God sees the affliction that you've gone through. He's heard every time that you've prayed, every tear that you've said. He's aware of what your situation is, and he said, I'm not delegating this breakthrough. I myself am going to get involved. God says that I'm about to show up, but I need you to stand firm in the environment that I called you to be in. You may feel like you're in the middle of nowhere, but God knows exactly where you are. You see, when we look at this, this particular passage, we've seen what it says in the book of Leviticus, that whenever you're struggling with this affliction of the flesh, that, that you have to isolate yourself from community. See, some of the symptoms of this, this is what we refer to as, as leprosy. It was, a, it was a very contagious disease, so once someone had it, they had to be excommunicated from the community, and then once they were well enough, they had to go back to the priest to show himself. The priest would inspect them and then allow them to come back. Well, what would happen is these people that were in these leprous conditions, they would ultimately join a community together. So you had entire communities of lepers where that was the only connection that they had with humans. And here's some of the, here's some of the side effects of it. They had flaky, pale skin. Ultimately, what that means is that it looked as if they were decomposing, yet they were still alive. In addition to that, it, it, it also says that, that there was a numbness, that they literally lost feeling, and then they also would lose limbs. And those two things are actually connected because what would happen is that because they were numb, their brain didn't register when something was wrong. So when they would continue to bump up against things, what was broken would eventually break off because there was a numbness that they were experiencing. Have you, have you ever experienced an area of your life where maybe you were numb to certain things and all it did was seem to perpetuate the brokenness that you had? Because once we kind of get so frustrated and so disappointed and so angry and we, we begin to get to a place where we lower our expectations to the point that we're not even asking God to move anymore. I'm just numb to what this marriage is like. I don't, I, I don't even care anymore. I'm not even gonna try to make it get better. I'm just numb to it. I'm just numb to the way that my career is going right now. I thought I was gonna move forward, but I'm just, I'm just numb to it all. And we begin to self-diagnose in such a way that we just don't wanna be disappointed anymore. But the numbness perpetuates the brokenness because when you're numb, you can't feel pain. And when you can't feel pain, you can't adjust. And when you can't adjust, you end up breaking off. This is the condition that these men find themselves in, this perpetuating this cycle. What do you do when you just feel numb inside? What do, you, what do you do when you feel broken and isolated and you don't feel as if there's any outlet or any support? 
what the scriptures tell us about these, these group of men is that the Bible says that there was a numbness that they were struggling with. There was a brokenness that was being perpetuated. But it also shows that they were isolated. And so there were rules that they had. And the rule was that whenever they saw someone, they had to cover their mouths and yell out, unclean. It's almost like whenever you're around a child and, and they cough and you tell them to cover their mouths. In essence, what you're doing is you're saying, hey man, you got some germs, keep it to yourself. What are the areas that maybe you have things going on in the inside, but the enemy has convinced you to live a life with your hand over your mouth and you're keeping the struggles to yourself? You're keeping the pain to yourself. You're, you're keeping the disappointment to yourself. And that same infection that has gotten you sick just continues to tear down your immune system. This is the condition that these men find themselves in. Scripture tells us that when Jesus comes on the scene, that they see him. And when they see him, something powerful happens. They see him, but the scripture says, and they stood at a distance. Jesus was there. He, he was in the vicinity. They were aware of what Jesus had done in the community, but it says that when Jesus was there, there still was a distance between them. You know, it's, it's possible to, to come to church every Sunday and to to see people get their breakthroughs and miracles, but still feel as if you're distant from getting your breakthrough. It's, it's possible to, to give and, and be faithful in the areas of stewardship, but still feel like your ability to be blessed is off in the distance. What are the things that are distancing us from God? These men had a distance between them and Jesus, even though he was in the vicinity. And even though the law had said that they had to declare their uncleanliness, they had to say that they were broken, they had to say that they were unfit, there was something inside of them that compelled them to shift the program. They said, Lord Jesus, have mercy on us. They were supposed to yell out what their affliction was. They were supposed to talk about their brokenness. They were supposed to, to make it known that they weren't fit to be in community but something inside of them inspired them to go off script and simply call on the name of the Lord. I don't, I don't know if they had the revelation of what the prophet Joel says in chapter two, verse 32, where he says, and those who call upon the name of the Lord will be saved. I don't know if they had that revelation, but I do know that we see it manifested in this situation that though they were broken and though they're supposed to talk about their brokenness nonstop, they had to go off script and decide, I've talked about it long enough. It's time for me to get Jesus involved and I'm gonna declare the name of Jesus because those who call upon the the name of the Lord, they shall be saved. I'm not sure what you're going through. I'm not sure what 2018 looked like for you, but I assure you, if you can begin to shift your perspective and say that enough is enough, I'm not talking about this anymore. I'm inviting Jesus into this situation. Lord Jesus, have mercy on us. They didn't have a fancy prayer. They didn't know all the eloquent words to speak, but what they did had had the power to defeat death and empty the gates of hell, and they simply had to say, in the name of Jesus, I need you to move in the midst of this situation. Sometimes you just got to say Jesus when you don't know what else to say. I got this situation that I'm dealing with. Jesus, I need you to move. I'm struggling in my resources, but Jesus, I know that you're involved. And sometimes you just got to say in the name of Jesus, because the name of Jesus is the name that the demons tremble at. The name of Jesus is the name that we have victory in. The name of Jesus is the name that every knee shall bow 
and every tongue shall confess that Jesus is Lord. I can't do it in my own strength. I can't do it with my own logic, but I got somebody that I can call and get involved, and when he shows up, victory shows up. That when he shows up, my breakthrough shows up. That when he shows up, my miracle shows up. So I'm not sure about you, but I'm willing to give God another 10 seconds of praise because I believe that my miracle may be on the other side. Come on. They said enough is enough. You see, what the, what the book of Psalms tells us in Psalms 22, it says that God inhabits the praises of his people. But one of the original translations actually say that he sits enthroned on his people's praises. This is such a powerful word. Because that idea of Jesus being enthroned on our praises doesn't mean that he just shows up. But it means that he shows up with ultimate dominion. See, when Jesus shows up, He's not showing up in a posture of trying to negotiate with the adversary, but because he is sitting on a throne, that lets us know that we have access to the lion and we have access to the lamb. So depending on what your situation is, you call Lord Jesus, you may get the lion or you may get the lamb. The lamb gives me access to the throne of grace, but the lion gives me victory. What if I actually began to believe that my praise let the lion out of the cage? What if I really believe that when I called on the name of Jesus, that the lion began to show up. And here's what I've learned. You let a lion out the cage, it's gonna do what it does. I wonder if we have some people here at Celebration Church that truly believe if I can just really begin to praise God and believe that he is sitting with all dominion, with all power, and with all authority. And when I call on the name of Jesus, that he begins to fight my battles. When I call upon the name of Jesus, that he gets involved. That when I call upon the name of Jesus, that walls will fall down. That when I call upon the name of Jesus, I can tread on serpents. That when I call upon the name of Jesus, my marriage will be healed. That when I call upon the name of Jesus, my breakthrough will come. That when I call upon the name of Jesus, that miracles, they will happen. These men, they, they made a decision to, to call upon the name of Jesus. And interestingly enough, when Jesus sees them, the sequence of the text says that Jesus sees them after they praise. He says to them, go and show yourselves to the priests. Such a, such a powerful thought. Go and, go and show yourselves to the priests. And as they were going, then they were healed. They, they, they didn't see the healing initially. As they were going, they were healed. As they were walking it out, they heard a word from Jesus. They didn't see the evidence of it just yet, but they had to begin to walk it out. They, they couldn't be at a standstill, they, they had to walk. I'm not sure if you've ever been at a place where you, you had to walk some things out that you, just, that you just don't see. I'm not sure if you've been at that spot. For me, it's been in faith, but it's also been in real life. I recall many years ago when my, my wife wanted to do a study abroad program to go to Turkey. And so when she came to me, we talked about it, we processed it, I'm like, okay, let's, let's do it. She submitted her application, that was a $25 fee. Okay, great, that's not a big deal. She went through a round of interviews, had to write some essays, everything is good. She made it to the next round, and then they said, okay, so now you gotta put down a $500 deposit. I'm like, okay, so are, is your spot secure? She said, no. Um, well, what they said is, 
I go through the next round of interviews, and then if I pass those, then I'm good to go. If I don't, then they will eventually give us the money back. I'm not sure about you, but I don't have eventually type money. <laughs> See, the way that my bank account is set up, if I, if I give you $500, then I expect some type of return immediately. Like, I, I, I need it back immediately. So when you start talking about eventually you may get your return back, I'm like, that sounds crazy to me. But my, my wife, she was like, oh, it's, it's gonna be good. She, she looked at me, she smiled at me, she had me. So I was like, okay, fine. We'll, we'll write the check, eating is overrated anyway. I heard you can get real creative with ramen noodles anyway. So I wrote the check for $500, let's go see how far this thing goes. Right after I wrote the check, I started noticing that she's going to like bookstores and she's actually buying like books on Turkey. The culture, the, the language, she's buying head wraps. She's coming home, she's talking the language. I'm like, okay, wait a minute. Um, can we just wait and make sure before we spend another dollar that you're actually going to get approved to go? Like I don't want to keep spending money on something that I don't see evidence of it of. Y'all see where I'm going with this. <laughs> about, a, about two weeks later, she gets the phone call. And here's what I'm thinking. I'm prepared for them to say, hey, great job, thank you so much. You weren't selected, this go around. So I already had like my encouragement speech ready. You ever have people where you feel like, okay, I, I might have to encourage them through this. I had scriptures lined up, we we're gonna go on a cruise. Like I already had everything I needed to do to counteract the disappointment. She said, oh, I'm going. And I'm like, oh, that's wonderful. So they need another like $1,000 for me, huh? Like, I mean, but I knew that, okay, this is good. I said like, how were you so confident like we spent a lot of money before you even got the word that you were approved to go. Her response to me was, she said, I just had a word from God and I had to walk it out until my eyes match what my heart said. There are some times that you just gotta walk some things out until your eyes match up with what your heart believes. I wanna encourage you with this scripture here in Isaiah. Isaiah 55 says it this way, it says, just as the rain and snow descend from the skies and don't go back until they have watered the earth, doing their work, making things grow, blossom, producing seed for farmers and food for the hungry. Verse 11, so will the words that come out of my mouth not come back empty handed. They will do the work that I sent them to do and they will complete the assignment that I gave them. I'm not sure who that's for today, but some of you have heard a word and you're wondering why you haven't seen evidence of it, but scripture tells me that if you continue to just walk this thing out, baby, if you can just continue to believe what God's word says, it says that it will not come back void. He will not leave you empty-handed. In other words, there are no bounce checks in the kingdom of God. God is saying to you, you can check my credit score, baby. I am the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. If I said it, I will do it. But sometimes, you just gotta walk that thing out. You don't see it yet, but you gotta walk that thing out. I'm still struggling, but I'm gonna walk this thing out. I know that I feel defeated, but I'm more than a conqueror, so I'm gonna walk this thing out. Sometimes you gotta make up in your mind that I'm gonna walk this thing out until my eyes match up with what my heart believes. You just gotta walk it out. These men, they began to, they began to walk it out. Come on, you know what I'm talking about. They walk this thing out, right? Because all you need is a single word from God. All, all you need is a single word from God to radically change your entire situation. But it's something interesting happens. As they're walking it out, it says that they were healed. They recognize that they were healed. So I can only understand that those, those 10 men that had been living in isolation away from their families, we have no idea how long they were out there. So they were excited to, to now go to the priest, kind of get their clean bill of health and go on with their lives to, to go back to their families. So as they are walking, there was one that 
that stood still and said, I, I know that we can go through the process of going and presenting ourselves before man so he can check us out and letting us know that we're good enough to, to move on. But I, I feel there's an unction in my heart that I need to go back to the source and give praise and glory and honor to where it is due. So he broke free from the camp. So the nine men went on and they were healed. But this man, he turned back and he went to Jesus and he submitted himself at his feet. As Jesus receives a praise, he looks around and he says, man, didn't I heal 10 of y'all? Where's the rest? In other words, Jesus was, was doing inventory and he was like, man, I, I feel like I got shortchanged a little bit. Where, where's the rest? Have you, have you ever felt that you have been shortchanged in your life? Have you ever felt like, man, I'm a, where, where's the rest? I know for me, many, many years ago when my children were much younger and they weren't gainfully employed. And so it was the Christmas time, just like it is now. And I had to give them the money so they can go and buy me a present. <laughs> Y'all know what I'm talking about. Y'all parents in the house know what I'm talking about. It's the biggest scam ever. Um, I got to pay for my own gifts, but it's okay. It teaches them discipline and how to be, you know, just how to be generous. So I, I gave my kids, I said, okay, look, we're going to, I'm going to drop you off at the mall. I'm going to give you all a hundred dollars. I'm good, I'm so, I'm so low key, so you only need to spend about $30 on me. Take the 70 and get stuff for your mom. I even broke down what they need to get. Everything is good, they come back, life is great. It's Christmas morning. We got the chestnuts on the open fire. <laughs> I'm sitting in the chair, in the, just exercising the priesthood of the believer me being the authority in the home, we're gonna all sit around and open up the Gospel of Luke and we're gonna read through the Christmas narrative. That's what you do on Christmas morning. You gotta make it spiritual. All the gifts have already been opened and we're about to go into it. But then I get distracted because my mind begins to like calculate the gifts that were given to my wife and the gifts that were given to me. My mind begins to go through the gifts that were given, where they got them from, the exact cost of them with tax. And I saw that it was roughly around like, okay, so she got like $70 worth of stuff, but I got like a $15 gift card. So I'm thinking to myself like, like man, some, something's missing. So in that climactic moment of when the angels were about to come in, I literally stopped reading this Christmas narrative and I look up and I'm like, wait a minute. Where's the rest? Family's looking around at me and they're perplexed. I'm like, and I look at my, my son, Keith Jr., he's the a, he's a older one, so I expect from him, I'm like, hey man, where, where's the rest? Like, what do you mean? Like, I, I gave y'all 100. Mom got, a, she got 70, I got 15. There's a discrepancy here, where, where's the rest? Without even missing a beat, almost like unapologetic, borderline disrespectful and ambivalent. He's like, oh, uh, while we were at the mall, we got hungry. So we, we decided that you wouldn't mind if we pulled something away from what we were supposed to give to you so that we could eat. Wait a minute. You mean to tell me that I gave you what you need to give to me and you decided to take that and give it to somebody else? Wait a minute. You mean to tell me that I gave you what you need to give to me but you decided to allocate it somewhere else? I'm gonna run over here. Wait a minute. You mean to tell me 
that you took what I gave to you so that you can give it to me and you decided to take it and reallocate it and give it to something else? Who does that? That's crazy that you would take something that your father has given you and then you decide to allocate it and give it to another source. Who, who does that? But you know what happens every Sunday when we come to church? I'm too tired to praise God. Wait a minute, I gave you the breath that's in your lungs. You mean to tell me that you can't give me a couple of minutes of praise? Wait a minute. What do you mean you don't have time to serve in a church? Wait a minute, I'm the one who gave you time. You can't give me any time to serve in a household of God? What? You mean you're not giving in the church? Wait a minute, I gave you the job that allows you to have the resources so that you can honor me with them. Wait a minute, you mean to tell me that I'm giving you something and you are allocating it to somewhere else? Maybe your breakthrough has a lot less to do with you needing to maneuver and maybe your breakthrough's on the other side of it just allowing you to give it back to God. What I love when I look at the narrative of Abraham is that he took his promise, which was Isaac, and he took it to the altar. What are the things that we're holding on to that we know that we need to bring to the altar so we can invite God into it? Or are we reallocating it and giving it somewhere else? I know that we can use our words to complain. We can use our words to be disappointed. But what would it look like if we actually began to use our words to give God praise? What would it look like if we actually began to recognize it's your breath that's in my lungs and so I will pour out a praise. I will pour out a praise. God, you gave me everything that I have. Second Peter said he gives us everything as it relates to life and godliness. And God wants to know, are you willing to bring it? to the altar. You see, after this man is in the presence of Jesus, what scripture tells us is that Jesus, after he has this conversation with him, he says to him, you know what, get up, go your way. Your faith has made you whole. There's, there's so much that I can unpack in this, but I, I want you to lean in for a minute. You see, those men they still had to go into the community and present themselves before the priest to be inspected, to be given permission to go on to live their lives. But because that man came to Jesus, Jesus said, get up, go your way. You don't have to go and be validated by man because you've been approved by God. Is it possible that we're waiting for a stamp of approval when we've been sealed by grace? Is it, is it possible that we are believing that maybe there's an individual that has breath in our lungs the same way that we do that is limiting what you can do in this life? The Bible that I read says this, promotion comes from above. I, I don't need anyone that can declare the call and the grace that's on my life. I don't need anyone that can hold my calling hostage just because I may not be in agreement with you. No, it is time for us to go into 2019 and recognize if I can position myself at the altar, I can receive all the validation and blessing that I need from God because I know that promotion comes from above. There's many of you in here that are wondering what maneuvers do you need to make at your job in order to get your breakthrough. You walk with integrity, you give it to God, and I promise your breakthrough is going to come on the other side. Jesus tells this man to get up and go his way. Your faith has made you whole. Now earlier in the, in the passage, we see that as they were walking, they were healed. But then when we fast forward, we see that this man is told that he is made whole. 
Two different words, completely two different meanings. Because healed means that the symptoms have been eradicated. Whole means that you will never have those sicknesses again. Maybe, just maybe, we're, we have a paycheck to paycheck faith. If I could just make it to next Sunday, then I'll, I'll be okay. If I could just get this symptom taken care of, I'll be okay. But God doesn't want us to live a fractured faith. He wants us to have the true peace and shalom from God, a peace that the world can't give and the world can't take away. That means that when I recognize that my breakthrough and my blessing is on the other side of me truly surrendering it to God, that I won't have to deal with these symptoms anymore. You know what God said to the, um, to the Israelites? He said, stand firm and see the salvation of God. The Egyptians that you see today, you will never see them again. You can insert whatever name that you want into that. Stand still and see the salvation of God. The, the, the brokenness that you feel, you will never feel again. The disrespect that you feel, you will never feel again. The, the anxiety that you feel, you'll never feel again. If you can just stand still and see the salvation of God and recognize that God is in the midst of all of it. These men were instructed to get up. He was instructed to go his way. I wanna, I wanna close with this thought. You know, as I reflect on just what God was doing in this passage, it makes me circle back and, and think about the gentleman that helped me on the side of the road on that fateful night. After he finished changing my tire, I, I said, hey man, like I, I don't have much on me, but what I do have, I, just, I, wanna, I wanna give it to you. No, no, sir, you don't, you don't have to do that. I'm, I'm, I'm glad to do it. It's, it's not a big deal. I was like, no, please, please allow me to just give you what I have on me. I had, I had exactly a $100 bill on me. Wish I had changed, but all I had was a $100 bill. So I'm like, oh, man, I already said I was going to give it to him. Okay, here you go. Is there a store open around here somewhere? I can get some change. Um, but God told me, what's in your pocket, give it to him. I, I gave it to him. He, he looks at it and his eyes begin to tear up and he just gets, his eyes get red. And I'm like, hey man, I don't have any more. It's all I got. <laughs> I promise you it is. He said, no, you, you don't understand. I'm a single father. And my daughter is scheduled to go on a, a school field trip in just a couple of weeks. The school's been very gracious, but, but the deadline is coming up and I was $100 short. He said, I had, he said, I had no idea of how I was going to close the gap between what was needed and what I had. And I said, well, explain this to me. When you first pulled up, you said that you felt that you were supposed to help me. Would you mind explaining that? He said, yes, I, I was at home sleep. I woke up and something told me to get up because somebody needed some help. He got up and he began to drive up and down that same strip on I-95 for an hour. He was looking before me for me before I even knew that I needed him. He was just riding up and down. Lord, I don't know what you got me doing out here, but I'm about to go home. Nope, not yet. He just had to keep driving. In other words, as he was going. When he pulled up and saw that I was there, and God said, that's the one. 
He had no idea what the end result was gonna be. He thought he was simply sowing a seed to be a blessing to me and my family. I had no idea when he pulled up what to expect. But it turns out that he was in the middle of nowhere, that I was in the middle of nowhere, but God knew how to work it all together where he was able to get me back to where I needed to be and I was able to give him what he needed so that he could be a blessing to his family. What I want you to know, church, is this. God knows exactly where you are and he knows how to send a miracle your way. You may feel like you're in the middle of nowhere, but God knows exactly where you are. He knows where to send the reinforcements, but you have got to make up in your mind that I will not leave, I will not be shaken, I will not move from the place that God has planted my feet. I know that there's all types of obstacles. There may be things that I can do in my own strength, but maybe your breakthrough, maybe your blessing is on the other side of your obedience. You may feel like you're in the middle of nowhere, but God knows exactly where you are, but are you willing to stand firm? I stand still and say, God has called me here. I have victory here. My reinforcements are coming, so I am not giving up on this marriage. I'm not giving up on my family. I'm not giving up on my dreams. I'm going to stand firm and see what God is going to do in my life. I'm going to stand firm and call on the name of Jesus. I'm going to stand firm. I'm going to bring it to the altar. I'm not going to keep it to myself. I'm going to get God involved because I know when Jesus shows up, that the lion shows up, and when the lion shows up, he silences the voice of the enemy. But we have a choice to make. What I'm aware of is that in 2018, there may be segments of our lives that we may feel that pressure and that urgency, that burden of, yeah, God called me to be here, but I don't see the fruit. Maybe I need to reallocate or, or move on. What I want you to know is this that God sees you, he hears you, he knows exactly what's going on. And by God, he said, and he's about to show up and he's about to get involved. But are we willing to praise him for it? Are we willing to stand firm for it? Are we willing to be patient for it? Are we willing to see what God wants to do in our lives? If you're in here today, I got a simple question for you. If you're in here today and you would say, man, Keith, there's an area of my life that I need a move of God. I need, I need a miracle. You know, I used to think that miracles were like a supernatural manifestation of God in an instance. But what I've come to recognize is that there is nothing that God did that occurred to him. That means he already had a plan for it. So maybe a miracle is a lot less uh, instant manifestation and more so me positioning my life in a place where I know what God is already going to do and I'm exactly where I need to be at the right time with the right place. If that's you, if you know that there's a place in your life that you need to see God show up in, I just want you to boldly lift your hand up. We're not going to count to three. All of, the, all of those who have their hands lifted up, I now want to invite you to come down to this altar because I want to pray for you. And I know that we're about to turn the calendar, but I think today we're going to turn the page and that we're not going to walk out of here with the same chains and bondage that maybe we walked in here with. We don't have to wait for the clock to strike 2019 in order for us to experience the breakthrough that God has for us. I don't believe that we have to wait in order for a calendar to dictate our praise or our expectation. We're gonna walk out of here in victory. We're gonna walk out of here delivered. We're gonna walk out of here free. We're gonna walk out of here seeing exactly what God wants to do. As you're all coming down, I want to encourage you with this. You know, 
The opening passage says that as Jesus was on his way to Jerusalem, he passed between Galilee and Samaria. Many scholars struggle with this very idea because in order for Jesus to get to Jerusalem from where he was, he did not have to go through that particular region in order for him to get there. That means that Jesus went out of his way in order to bring this miracle. You may feel isolated and alone, and even in your mind cognitively may believe that I am so out of the way. I am so distant from God. He would never show up but I wanna let you know that you serve a God who is willing to go out of his way to make sure that you get your breakthrough, to make sure that you get your miracle because that is the God that we serve. You see, that man, he didn't have to go and show himself to the priest because he became the priest and he created an altar at the foot of Jesus. That's exactly what we're doing. And I'm just crazy enough to believe that if we do what the Bible did, then maybe we'll get the Bible's results. So as we pray and as you go, believe that your breakthrough is on the other side with every hand lifted up as a sign of total surrender. This is not just a, a posture that we do to repeat what we've seen, but this is literally a sign of saying, God, I'm inviting you into my situation. I'm inviting you to the struggles that I'm going through. You know the areas that I've been keeping to myself. You're aware of the areas where I've been numb. You're aware of the things that I feel distant from you. You're aware of the areas where I'm broken and I feel like as if it's perpetuating my struggle. But Lord, I'm inviting you in. This is our version of saying, Lord Jesus, have mercy on me. Lord, the struggle that I had in 2018, I refuse to take that into 2019. Lord, your word declares that whom the Son sets free is free indeed. And I am tired of living paycheck to paycheck with my faith, but I'm going to walk out of here and total freedom. I'm going to walk out of here in total victory. I'm going to walk out of here with an incredible breakthrough in the name of Jesus. I can't do it in my own strength, but in the name of Jesus. So God, you see every uplifted hand. You see every uplifted heart. You know the burden that are on the hearts of your people. But God, I declare Exodus 3 that you see them, you hear them, you're aware of what they're going through, and I command in the name of Jesus for the activity of the enemy to be silenced because God is now getting involved. God, I pray that you visit every one of our homes. Anything that's not like you, we evicted in the name of Jesus. There's no 30-day notice right now. Cease and desist. Let go of my family. Let go of my finances. Let go of my mind. Let go of my heart. Let go of my dreams. Let go of my goal. In the name of Jesus, I command that devil, you find your rightful place under my feet because I am more than a conqueror and I command by the power of the word of God and by the blood of Jesus and by the testimony of his goodness. I command the enemy to be silenced. We activate the lion in here in the name of Jesus so we will walk out as more than conquerors. So in Jesus' name, God, we invite you to do what only you can do. Amen. Amen. Let's praise God together. Thank you for tuning in to today's podcast. For more information about Celebration Church or to get in touch with us, please visit celebration.org.